Welcome to the Federal Executive Forum Series on Federal News Network. Here's your host, Luke McCormack. Good afternoon and welcome to the Federal Executive Forum celebrating 18 years of profiling excellence in government IT mission programs. I'm Luke McCormack. During today's show, we will discuss best practices with data center and cloud optimization strategies in the federal government. With me on today's show are Tom Santushi, Director, Data Center and Cloud Optimization Initiative PMO at GSA. Bill Hunt, Assistant Director, Cloud Center of Excellence, Security and Exchange Commission. Dr. Mark Lucas, Director of Cloud Computing Operations, Department of Homeland Security. Zach Goldstein, Chief Information Officer at NOAA. Michelle Runicki, Vice President, NetApps U.S. Public Sector. Nick Saki, Principal Technologist, U.S. Federal Pure Storage. And Lamont Copeland, Managing Director, Federal Solutions Architect at Verizon Business. Well, this continues to be a super important subject. We've got a great mix of folks on the uh, on the uh, panel today, representing a lot of different agencies and partners. Tom, I want to start with you by congratulating GSA and applauding you for the leadership of your organization, the playbooks, the summits, the cross-pollinization that you continue to have across the community. Give us a top line and where things stand from your perspective. Hey, thanks for that intro, Luke. You know, in October, the federal government data center optimization initiative sunset uh, after the agencies received an A on the FATARA scorecard for DCOI. This was a huge success that Congress and the CFO Act agencies celebrated. We've closed over, we've closed thousands of data centers, tiered and non-tiered, and saved the taxpayer nearly $6.4 billion in cost savings over the past decade on data centers. Even without a formal policy, this doesn't mean data center and cloud optimization is over in the federal government. In fact, our team is continuing to work with agencies on exploring government challenges, securing and managing its growing amount of data in hybrid environments, and sustainability and ways to using metrics to track federally owned buildings using sustainable outcomes is still a thing. An examined amount of the greenhouse gas emission reduction using a more sustainable environment such as cloud or data center colo. Bill, uh, you are in a uh, what I like to call a small but mighty uh, entity over there, and I know you all are doing a lot of interesting things. Give us a top line as to where you all are on your journey in regards to cloud activities, et cetera. Well, I mean, as you mentioned, the SEC is a little bit of a special agency. We are a small agency. We are not subject to FATARA. Um, we're not one of the CFO Act Big 24, but we are still a pretty relatively big agency of about 8,000 people, right? So we're about three times bigger than the Small Business Administration, which is actually a cabinet agency and a CFO Act agency, a so-called large. Mm. So that presents interesting- Fun factoid. Yeah, uh, so that, that that's the uh, previous agency I'm coming over from by comparison. So mm -hmm. understanding the, the difference in size and how that can change how your approach to cloud looks. I'll say overall, I've been at a bunch of federal agencies. I think you all know. Um, I was over at OMB overseeing the cloud program for the federal government as cloud policy lead for a few years. And the adoption of cloud is really ramped up very, very quickly as a result, I'd say, of the pandemic more than anything else. The use of collaboration tools, the use of uh, all of these wonderful video chat features that we're all using right now, all of this sort of thing. We really went from a stance where we were a little gun shy about how we were moving into the cloud to everybody just going full tilt into it because we had to. That's how we were going to work and collaborate directly. So that's been, you know, it's the pandemic has been horrific and terrible. But as far as federal cloud adoption, it's really spearheaded that effort. I'll say in no small parts, having tick three come out just like four months before the pandemic hit. That was a key policy change that enabled a lot of these things that we're seeing right now. 
as far as the SEC goes, you know, we've rapidly been moving towards the cloud. We've had some stumbles over the years trying to figure out our path in the cloud. And we recently stood up a brand new uh, cloud team focused solely on getting us where we want to go. And that's been relatively successful over the last 18 months in moving us ahead. Um, specifically, um, we've only moved about 10% of our on-prem apps over, but at this point, we've gotten our time to delivery from months down to days and weeks. Um, that has been a major, major change for us. Um, security review takes days, not months now uh, for apps moving into the cloud environment. We're just getting those new increased capabilities very, very quickly. We're getting better security. We're getting um, better delivery time. All of those wonderful benefits that come with cloud as a result of making these sorts of investments. Dr. Lucas, uh, I know uh, we're going from a small and mighty uh, entity to a very large entity. And I know you all have had a, had a tremendous amount of activity going on over there. Give us a top line as to the state of the state these days in regards to the cloud initiatives at DHS. Good afternoon, Luke. Good afternoon, everyone. So uh, as, as the public's already aware, we, we, we moved out of our previous tier three data center in Southern Virginia some time ago, mm -hmm. uh, where the majority of our systems were migrated to the cloud or they were decommissioned, which is a major achievement for the department. Uh, simultaneously, uh, we awarded the, the data center and cloud optimization contract uh, that, that serves as a foundation for the management and integration of uh, what we're calling the hybrid compute environment, which includes our on-premises environments, co-location facilities, uh, and cloud-based environments. Uh, some of the, the key components, Luke, uh, of the award I'd like to highlight on this call, uh, and a result of identifying the need to enhance our management of the HCE, uh, include uh, improved total cost of ownership and cost transparency. You know, uh, we, we integrated uh, uh, and established the dashboard uh, that's now uh, providing near real-time cost transparency uh, and visibility to components using uh, the HCE uh, that's provided by the contract. Uh, and we've increased the flexibility uh, around modernization and optimization uh, of our HCE, uh, having expanded our infrastructure and availability to include the, the use of co-location facilities and the use of solutions like Office 365, uh, supporting distributed processing, uh, direct connection with the cloud service providers. Uh, we've improved bandwidth utilization and the logical availability of solutions in different locations. Uh, second, uh, in the area of cloud operations loop, we uh, we're, we've been very, very success, uh, successful in establishing a modern, robust, uh, and efficient enterprise cloud operation team consisting of the major cloud subject matter expertise that the industry is using. Some of those examples are DevSecOps Dev engineers, cloud engineers, scrum masters, and the like uh, that the, the industry is simultaneously using for productive management of workloads uh, in major CSP environments. Uh, as a result of all that, uh, we've improved automation, efficiency, security, uh, and management of workloads for critical and sensitive systems and hundreds of assets in the cloud, uh, which includes enterprise patch management for changes uh, and security remediation. We've also implemented solutions and automation uh, for support uh, and uh, remediation of cloud incident trouble tickets for our systems. And uh, we've especially improved cybersecurity and visibility into our cloud environments by implementing automated cloud-based notification feeds uh, and dashboards for our network operations security center uh, for improved response and visibility into our cloud environments. Uh, and finally, uh, in the area of cloud computing services, Luke, we've we've been working hard on improving the customer experience, uh, the tenants using our cloud-based services by creating a centralized portal uh, for our customers that abstracts the complexity of managing our, our cloud environments uh, while simultaneously providing the details needed for migration, cost management, and services in the environments hosting critical applications. Those are just some of the areas uh, that I like to highlight on this call and the tremendous work of the uh, of the men and women of the Department of Homeland Security that are providing vital services uh, to the American public. Zach, uh, speaking of uh, cloud services and big compute, et cetera, 
you all have been on this journey for quite some time, have been leveraging this capability for years, way before big data, et cetera, were even a, uh, a household name. Right. Give us a top line state of the state as to where NOAA is in the utilization of these capabilities. Well, cloud, cloud services in NOAA right now are, are ubiquitous. Mm. Uh, we have high performance computing in the cloud. We have a special arrangement that we used to call big data program, but now we call it no open data dissemination, where for effectively no cost, we disseminate uh, enormous amounts of information to the public and to industry to build on our data uh, in the cloud. And we also have a general cloud utility contract where um, uh, folks can get to any of the major cloud vendors. And we do, we use, uh, we use Google, we use Microsoft, we use Amazon, um, depending upon the program, depending upon the need. Uh, I'm really excited to be here today because I get to share the stage with not only amazing cloud practitioners and forward thinkers who are doing our level best to improve service to the taxpayer uh, at lower cost with greater security, but I get to share the place with GSA, who we copied 12 years ago to go to the cloud. Uh, GSA was the first, uh, first federal agency to, at least as far as I know, first federal agency to put uh, email collaboration calendaring in the cloud and uh, before there was a FedRAMP, we took their accreditation package, uh, made our own risk assessment, and did the same thing. Uh, and at the, and at the time we did it 12 years ago, we were the, we, we were the uh, largest, because I think we have more users than GSA does, at least at the time. Um, so it's, it's a great place to be. It's been a long journey. Uh, most recently, we've moved our voice services into the cloud, replacing voice over IP and PBX. We moved to Google Voice. Um, we have put all of, almost all of our, our web presence behind uh, content uh, cloud distribution networks and uh, also in the cloud, which has been an amazing, uh, amazing technology in terms of handling workloads that could be a billion or more hits a day when you have a hurricane approaching the East Coast of the United States, for example. And we've also, uh, this year, uh, established a cloud program office, which seems like something you might have done earlier, but mm -hmm. we've been too busy moving to the cloud. And now uh, we will be able to organize uh, with a focus on customer experience, a focus on metrics, making sure that we're taking, uh, moving to the cloud as, as rapidly and as, as sensibly as one can, uh, and uh, organizing the, the services we provide. So in a way, NOAA is sort of like a, a department. Uh, we're not a cabinet level department, obviously. We're, we're a bureau level organization inside mm -hmm. of the commerce. But we have old, we have organizations that used to be bureaus. The Weather Bureau is now the Weather Service, Satellite Bureau, Satellite Service, Fisheries Bureau, and so on. Uh, so it was very important to us to allow folks to move as quickly and safely as possible, but do it efficiently. So we weren't controlling or stopping the movement, but we were supporting them through enterprise-based networking, very fast pipes to have peering at key cloud peering points. Um, security, review a package once used across the entire bureau. Uh, acquisition, three big contracts, as I indicated earlier. Um, authentication, identity uh, credential access management, same authentication across the board. Uh, architecture services, and uh, and in the program management office, not only to ensure customer experience, but to take advantage of the once in a generation opportunity you have when you go to the cloud to take a look at what you're doing in IT itself. Why move something? You mentioned lift and shift earlier, Luke. Uh, why move it at all 
if you can get rid of it. So optimize IT along the way and make sure that we're seizing the opportunity because it won't come again for a while. Michelle, uh, we can't do all this unless we have extensive partnering with uh, very comprehensive companies such as yours that enable all these great things to happen. Give us sort of a, a state of the state from where NetApp stands in regards to the various activities going on across the public sector. Sure thing, Luke. And thank you to all the federal agencies for all the work that's been done. You know, we think about cloud as a, as a journey and it's, it's like we've come through the first leg, but optimization's not over and, and we have the opportunity to continue moving along this journey. So great work. When we look at what's going on and, uh, you know, the optimizations, I bucket it into three categories that we see uh, where we're doing work with the agencies. First is on savings. Um, the second is on simplification, right? We've come through and we've talked about, you know, um, going to the cloud, but as people have, ad have rapidly adopted all these services, right? There, it's a, it's a big, wide, heterogeneous environment that's gotten more complicated and we need to simplify. And the, and the third is around security. So. Um, on savings, it's, you know, what the, some of the projects that we see are things like tiering, you know, like taking from your data center and tiering your data, making sure that you're using the most cost optimized, um, optimized uh, approach, right, whether that's on-prem or in the cloud, maybe for your cold storage. Um, backup, using cloud for backup is one of the areas that we, uh, we still see a lot of agencies needing to move um, and take advantage of the cloud to, um, to offload some of the work and, and some of the um, things that were being done on site. And then um, the, the third area on savings is really in this, as people have moved to, to the cloud, is what are we doing relative to cloud optimizations? And we have tools like Cloud Checker that help people manage their, um, their financial spend. So they get visibility and transparency heterogeneously across all of their different cloud environments. Simplification, we, you know, we know that we need more and more tools that are heterogeneous that take advantage of both um, on-prem and in the cloud environment. NetApp took the approach that um, we partnered greatly with the major hyperscalers. So we're the only storage enterprise, enterprise storage operating system that's offered by Microsoft, Google, and um, AWS as a first party service. And what that helps with is skills, right? We can't keep scaling up for different, um, different types of environment everywhere. How do you take your, the skills that you've developed over the years on-prem and use those in the cloud? Simplifications. Um, of tools uh, like our Cloud Insights, which help people look across their storage and their compute environments and figure out what's going on, and also monitor for um, security uh, anomalies that are going on. And BlueXP, we just released this as a management platform, a single plane that you can do both um, on-prem and in the cloud, right? So some, that's some of the areas that we're looking at. Um, and then along the way is making sure that security is built in. We're using zero trust approaches to build our products so that as, as they get adopted, into the infrastructures um, of the agencies that things are there. Um, things like we've done the NSA CSFC testing to make sure that everything that we're delivering to our customers is as easy to consume for them and build in everything that they need, right? whether it's the executive orders that are coming down on them or, mm -hmm. um, or you know, it's like we know these are the things that we need to do to protect our environments and to, you know, to protect the mission. So that's just a few highlights from my perspective. We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Network. How can your agency accelerate its network modernization and establish the right foundation for digital transformation? Verizon's Network as a Service. Verizon's Network as a Service provides you a comprehensive subscription-based and end-to-end -end network ecosystem 
that includes cloud-based interconnection services, hybrid connectivity, network visibility, security, and more. Modernize your network with Verizon's Network as a Service. To learn more, go to verizon.com slash public sector. For the ninth consecutive year in a row, Pure Storage has been named a leader in the 2022 Gartner Magic Quadrant for primary storage arrays, positioned highest for ability to execute and furthest for completeness of vision. Pure has also been named a leader for the second consecutive year for distributed file systems and object storage. Pure uncomplicates government data management. Check out the Gartner Report to learn how Pure can help your agency reach its data potential at purestorage.com government. That's purestorage.com slash government. Data is a high-interest commodity. The NetApp portfolio helps government agencies leverage data in a way that brings both immediate and lasting advantage to every government mission. Now, agencies can break free from cloud sprawl, data proliferation, application silos, and security challenges with cutting-edge NetApp cloud and on-prem solutions and continuously innovating technology that provides a common data plane from edge to core to cloud. Modernize your infrastructure with speed, security, simplicity, savings, and sustainability. Make the NetApp Evolved Hybrid Cloud your competitive advantage from daily operations to the front lines and beyond. Welcome back to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Network. We are talking about cloud optimization. And we're going to come up to you, Nick, and talk about cloud optimization, IT modernization at Pure Storage. And I we call it Pure Storage, but we know it's way bigger than that. Right, Nick? Right. Uh, it's one of those unfortunate misnomers. You have to name your, your company something. But the, the truth of the matter is we've really always focused on data, data services, data management. Mm -hmm. and delivering efficiency, performance, and modernization in a sustainable fashion for our customers. And that continues to be our focus. Uh, this year, we've, uh, we've launched a couple of different products that are effectively doubling the data density of systems, which has the effect of not only reducing floor space by you know, somewhere on the upwards of 50 to 90%, depending on which platform, but that also has the effect of driving down en energy consumption um, in the data service arena by upwards of 90%. So we're building the technology necessary to affect data center optimization by creating the world's most dense, power efficient, high performance data service capabilities. And that's providing our customers and the government with seamless, scalable, sustainable data mobility and management across all their environments, on-premises, cloud managed service providers, or giving them the capability to modernize their environments uh, to sustainable platforms that can be consumed uh, using OPEX rather than CAPEX dollars. So getting the control and agility of on-premises infrastructure with the cloud cost model, but also the flexibility to move that data to shared service providers and other environments seamlessly and transparently. So as I said, that's reduced floor space by about 96%, power consumption by 85%, and uh, satisfying cooling and e-waste disposal requirements by orders of magnitude over legacy technologies. And what we expect to do this year is, again, double the capacity of the storage technologies that we build in order to deliver these capabilities to the government. So that's, you know, fundamental transformations in both technology as well as environmental impact and financial models for delivering service to customers have really been at the forefront of our transformation efforts in helping our customers achieve their overarching strategic data goals. Lamont, uh, we can't do all this unless we have the speeds and feeds and everything else associated to that. Tell us about the uh, the state of state from where Verizon sits and webbing all this together for us, so to speak. Yeah, no, thanks, Luke. Yeah, yeah, this is a great opportunity because uh, 
it gives the agencies the ability to start going and looking at how do they start modernizing a lot of their enterprise because to be able to get to all these different um, connect all these different services out in the, the cloud they've got to make sure that they have the right infrastructure to be able to connect to get to any of the cloud providers any of the data centers to be able to get, make sure that they have access to that to all the data and applications that they need to support the mission so i mean a lot of the focus that we're seeing right now and, and the great opportunity for us is to partner with all of our, our government uh, friends here to make sure that they have the right speeds and feeds to be able to get to you know, AWS is the Microsoft's, the Google's to be able to get to that data, but then also re realize that there's a sprawl of this data and this information that's going out further towards the edge and to be able to bring connectivity out to the computing um, edge, you know, edge computing services to be able to then realize some of these next, you know, things of technology for VR, AR, VR, for drones, for mission that needs to be done in the field. These are still part of what would be that larger data center and, and cloud footprint that we're providing that connectivity to. So we're seeing a great opportunity to be able to help bring the agencies, looking at their entire enterprise, looking at how they modernize that, how they get connectivity, have that connectivity to multiple providers to be able to have that choice to be able to um, deliver their data out to their end users and constituents. Um, so that's where we're seeing a lot of the, the efforts and, and partnerships with uh, the government. Uh, we're going to switch over and we're going to start talking about specific program. Dr. Lucas, we're going to start with you. You top-lined a lot of different things that are going on over at the department. We'd like you to focus on one program that you've been able to get over the fence, so to speak, and uh, highlight that for the community here. Yes, sir. Uh, you know, Luke, over the last several years, uh, we've been committed uh, in investing in the optimization of access to resources in the various locations uh, by improving and optimizing our network resources, which has provided the necessary foundation uh, for optimizing our access to the resources in the hybrid compute environment I mentioned previously, which includes commercial cloud service provider environments. Uh, you know, look, we, we implemented a DHS cloud access point on the East Coast uh, to provide direct high-speed fiber network access to cloud service providers, uh, virtually a zero-hop solution. Uh, and we're currently implementing a second cloud access point on the West Coast uh, to improve redundancy and availability for uh, all of the, the critical missions that the Department of Homeland uh, Security supports for the taxpayer uh, with an estimated completion during uh, the summer of this year. You know, look, this, uh, this work optimizes our enterprise network by providing direct access at the edge of our wide area network, uh, eliminating additional network latency you, you previously stated, uh, thus improving our access user experience uh, and the performance of applications and systems uh, in the cloud environments. You know, with, uh, within the network architecture, we're, we're implementing modern software-defined network systems uh, that are virtualized, uh, reducing the physical footprint. Uh, of previous uh, hardware and providing elasticity to add and reduce network functions for customers as needed. Uh, we're also leveraging uh, network function virtualization as a part of the implementation that uh, has allowed us to minimize the physical footprint in co-location facility, co facilities, thus reducing hosting costs uh, while increasing functionality throughput and overall capacity of the network systems. Uh, additionally, uh, we've also migrated to a cloud-based VPN system uh, that incorporates the functionality of the trusted internet connection requirements uh, and allows for direct internet access from field locations, while also allowing for internal network access without the risk of DDoS attacks affecting the systems. Uh, the, this modernized network system architecture uh, is being deployed with zero trust and micro-segmentation in mind, uh, and that provides a more secure network architecture. Uh, uh, next, we've also deployed a cloud-native zero-trust access service loop uh, in AWS and Azure GovCloud environments uh, that's providing fast and secure app-to-app -app and app-to-internet connections across multi- and hybrid cloud environments uh, that allows applications to use the service locally uh, instead of using our network infrastructure when it's, uh, when it's needed. Uh, and then finally, uh, we're constantly researching uh, the modern network solutions to improve access, minimize latency, uh, and improve security for our critical applications and systems we have in the cloud.
Michelle, uh, let's roll over to you and talk about a specific program. I would imagine that NetApps is probably used in all of these agencies, certainly used in the majority of them. Tell yep, us about a specific program you'd like to highlight. Yeah, sure thing. Um, let me just pick on one uh, that is uh, a, a government organization responsible to uh, support local and international war fighting and disaster relief. Um, soon to be released um, publicly, but they ha they had three problems they were trying to solve, the, you know, or three problem areas they were trying to solve is technical. They couldn't complete replications um, due to software incompatibilities. It would time out and they couldn't, uh, they couldn't set up their uh, con continuity of operations in, in order to meet the recovery point objectives. Um, they also had uh, software that was out of date and uh, security issues going throughout their organization, right? And they just didn't have the money to uh, be able to modernize because their funding comes from various dis disparate sources. So collecting it from all the different sources and bringing it together to be able to do capital purchases and um, upgrade all at once was just uh, a little bit more than they could take on. Mm -hmm. um, so second problem was funding and third problem was manpower. And you know, how do you go across? Because they had to have multiple locations. They couldn't consolidate any more than their 60 locations um, that they have. So how do they get the manpower to do this, how to fund and, and um, be able to do the upgrades that they needed? So what we were able to work with them on is implement um, a consumption-based model, a very flexible one that allows them, you know, whether they wanted to play monthly or on an annual basis, to be able to set themselves up so they could modernize the infrastructure that they needed, you know, reduce the security vulnerabilities, get the uh, performance that they needed, upgrade everything across all the 60 sites, um, and be able to do that um, and, all while moving to a much more flexible cost model so that they didn't have to have the funds up front that they can pay with it, pay for it out of their operational budget. Um, so we implemented this, uh, this solution. Uh, we were able to migrate all of their data with zero data loss and more importantly, with zero interruption of service, right? Because we were able to come in and work with them to do it across their, their locations. Um, and, um, now, where you know where they've ended up is that uh, they've got the infrastructure in place. Instead of having to go through a procurement every time that they need additional capacity, they can just submit a change order and start utilizing that capacity that's there and available for them. Right, so it gives them a very cloud-like environment, but with all but having modernized across their their complex. Um, or, organization and environment so Tom I'm gonna roll up to you um we uh we love the fact that you drank your own home brew years ago and uh implemented a lot of these capabilities that you then as an agency came out and uh and set the direction for across the uh the interagency give us an example of a specific program you'd like to highlight so I'm happy that I'm joining this panel with Bill Hunt. We passed each other in the hallway as I uh, arrived at GSA, and he left me with a cloud smart policy or strategy document. And we've seen a lot of successes from multiple agencies when it comes to data center and cloud optimization programs. Because my team sits at the government-wide level at, within GSA, we have a really good access into all of the data center practitioners and cloud practitioners at the agency level. And we get a good sense of how successful data center and cloud optimization programs work for agencies. And here's what we're seeing for a successful agency implementation of an IT modernization program. And it's the adoption of co-location. Uh, Dr. Lucas mentioned this, that he closed his data center and moved into colo or cloud. Um, uh, Bill Hunt and uh, SEC uh, utilizes this strategically. 
And the fact that he knows, uh, he referenced 10% of his uh, inventory is in the cloud. The fact that he knows what his full inventory is, is a huge success. Good catch. Co-location can save a lot of money for agencies, all the while reducing the risk for the mission. Agencies have to be careful about vendor lock-in and rising prices, but co-location can really reduce operational costs, help with the moving sustainability environments, and move closer to the cloud and hybrid environments. A focus on portfolio management requires agencies to identify what applications are running in their data centers and facilitate further consolidation and optimization. And it requires agencies to identify costs that aren't necessarily known today, like the edge computing in a downtown building or network it relies on, the labor to maintain both the IT and the facilities to house that IT, and adopting a strategic approach to moving to the cloud. We've developed a cloud strategy uh, guide to assist the developing agencies, a strategy for successful cloud adoption. And in it, we cover major topics to consider in your cloud strategy, including current state assessments, business value to consider, risk frameworks, and other elements of the toolkit. We had agency participation, and those that adopted this type of approach tend to have more success in this area. And establishing a cloud center of excellence or an enterprise management team. Agencies should create a, a group of functional experts to drive the strategic adoption of cloud services within their organization. And this team champions the cloud transformation process, provides guidance to the transition, supports employee reskilling and training, and essentially is the central point for all organizational cloud efforts. Lamont, how about at Verizon, uh, give us a specific program you'd like to top line. Yeah, so, uh, excuse me, so a couple of things that we're working on right now with, uh, um, you heard it earlier, it was like, we talked about the network functional virtualization and moving things with uh, SD-WAN so that people can then understand how to get, manage the performance of their applications. Um, so we're working with uh, a couple agencies on how do we then start bringing in that the, the uh, um, the network and pulling that more because that's becoming more part of the cloud infrastructure um, to be able to support the movement of this these applications in the data and then on top of that we're also working uh, with some agencies on um, as was mentioned by uh, bill earlier with like some of the the advanced comms and the contact center stuff and moving those into the cloud now today to make sure that we're able to then um, realize the economies of scale to be able to then scale up and scale down these services quickly and on demand so that then you know the constituents are able to then work with all the end users and all the folks out in the field to be able to deliver the services, you know, take these calls in from, uh, um, from Social Security to be able to then take calls in for, for um, taxes to be able to help make sure that we're working and getting that um, all the money flowing through the government today. Um, so we're working to make sure that that's happening with um, all the agencies. Um, but a lot of that is really trying to make sure that, you know, that network, that underlying network, the infrastructure is there to be able to support, um, whether it's from the, you know, the Ethernet services and make sure that's modernized to be there, leveraging all the wireless capabilities, the 4G, 5G, to make sure that we have the connectivity out to those end user devices. Um, and then those are all able to be seen across that landscape and environment from the, for the network to the cloud, to the data centers, um, regardless of where they sit, that data. Bill, you were just called out there on your 10% uh, your capability as far as your transition so far. Give us an example, if you will, that you'd like to highlight in your, uh, your tenure over there at the SEC. Sure, absolutely. So, uh, thanks, Tom, for the uh, the kind words. I appreciate the uh, the shout out there. Um, I'll say we've 
really got a bunch of unique opportunities being at the SEC. We are, of course, a, as I mentioned, a small agency. But mm -hmm. the other thing that makes us unique is that we are a financial regulator, which means we get special pay and incentives. The other thing that we have that's special is, um, as a result, we hire a lot of superior expertise into our organization. Having that higher pay cap gives us the ability to get some of the best of the best. Um, we also have a CIO and a CISO that really get it. Like they really get it and aren't afraid of change. And that is so unique at a federal agency. I've been at a few. That is a very, very special mm -hmm. thing. So as a result, in, as part of the Cloud Center of Excellence that we've stood up, we've been able to build from scratch a new cloud infrastructure team. And it is mind-bogglingly great. The team is just top-notch. It's like watching one of those superhero team-up montages as this has been coming together. Just the best of the best from private sector across government, being able to hire those folks in and really build an entirely greenfield program team up from scratch. I've done that a lot in the private sector. This is the first time I've seen it done in the public sector. It's very rare that you get to build something from scratch like this. And the results have been amazing. Um, you know, we're embracing all of these great buzzwords that everybody's been talking about, zero trust, infrastructure as code, a customer experience, all of those things baked in from day one into this new team, which has just been fantastic. And when I say things like we're doing customer experience, I don't mean, you know, we're putting a sticker on it and doing feedback sur surveys. We're doing human-centered design. We have directly responsible individuals who are working directly with the customers to make sure that the needs are being fulfilled and that we're meeting them exactly where they are, working on developer experience, all of those sorts of things, so that rather than just trying to shove applications with your incumbent vendors into the cloud, you're really learning the lessons of how to be great at cloud and doing that upskilling as you go, which again is relatively unique rather than just, here you go, here's a cloud, go figure it out. Um, that's been a really exciting uh, opportunity for us and has just been amazing for our throughput. It's really improved the ability of the agency to deliver on its mission. So it's it's been really an incredible ride watching that come together. You know, sometimes starting with a fresh piece of paper is uh, has a lot of advantages to it as you incorporate all these lessons learned, et cetera. We really do appreciate all the activity going on over there. We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Network. For the ninth consecutive year in a row, Pure Storage has been named a leader in the 2022 Gartner Magic Quadrant for primary storage arrays. Positioned highest for ability to execute and furthest for completeness of vision. Pure has also been named a leader for the second consecutive year for distributed file systems and object storage. Pure uncomplicates government data management. Check out the Gartner Report to learn how Pure can help your agency reach its data potential at purestorage.com government. That's purestorage.com government. Data is a high interest commodity. The NetApp portfolio helps government agencies leverage data in a way that brings both immediate and lasting advantage to every government mission. Now agencies can break free from cloud sprawl, data proliferation, application silos, and security challenges with cutting edge NetApp cloud and on-prem solutions and continuously innovating technology that provides a common data plane from edge to core to cloud. Modernize your infrastructure with speed, security, simplicity, savings, and sustainability. Make the NetApp Evolved Hybrid Cloud your competitive advantage from daily operations to the front lines and beyond. How can your agency accelerate its network modernization and establish the right foundation for digital transformation? Verizon's Network as a Service. Verizon's Network as a Service provides you a comprehensive, subscription-based, and end-to-end -end network ecosystem that includes cloud-based interconnection services, hybrid connectivity, network visibility, security, and more. Modernize your network with Verizon's Network as a Service. To learn more, go to verizon.com slash public sector. Welcome back to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Network. We are talking about 
cloud optimization and data center optimization, one and the same, depending on who you're talking to. And uh, we're talking about specific programs. Zach, I'd like to throw it over to you at NOAA to highlight a specific program you'd like to bring to the attention of the listening community. Thank you, Luke. I'd like to highlight a program I mentioned earlier uh, and delve into it just a little bit, the No Open Data Dissemination Program. This is something that I don't think you'll find elsewhere in government. It's a program where we take our data for the cost of getting our data to the cloud, we place it in the cloud, make it freely and openly available. It's stored and disseminated from the cloud to the public and to the economy at large at no cost to the American taxpayer except the cost to get the data to the cloud in the first place. It's a unique opportunity because there's so much data there. Uh, we've been an engine of the economy for, for decades, and this amps it up. What's exciting about it is not only does it democratize our data and be an engine for the American economy, but it also saves us from ourselves. Our data is absolutely crucial for protecting lives and livelihoods every day. We have more high impact systems than anybody else in the Commerce Department. We are moving those systems to the cloud thanks to FedRAMP having a high impact uh, level. But we can also be victims of our own success. As the economy grows and uses our data, it places enormous pressures on the infrastructure that we have. And what we needed was a way to have the economy pay for itself, if you will. And so back in 2015, we went from the Cooperative Research and Development Agreement stage to contracts. Uh, in uh, I guess it was 2017, we signed three contracts. In 2019, it became operational. Um, it's now in our strategic plan. Uh, it's being used uh, by, by large portions of industry. Uh, an example of the kinds of volumes that you get, uh, 1.2 to 1.5 billion sustained interactions per day uh, on just one data set, just one geo op geostationary operationally, operational, environmentally operational satellite goes. Uh, just one satellite's worth of data, 28 days straight, 1.2 to 1.5 billion sustained interactions in the cloud. Mm -hmm. And the most recent thing we've done is we've gotten great data analytics on, on how the, the economy is using our data. And uh, what we've discovered is something that we thought was true, but now we know is true, that most of the access to our data that we put in the cloud is from inside the cloud which is crucial because that is the business model that allows the, this to be self-sustaining, is folks coming in, using the data, staying in the cloud, making money for cloud providers, and not costing us any additional cost beyond getting the data there in the first place. At, at, the, uh, at the most recent uh, meeting of the American Meteorological Society, uh, there were a number of success stories that were briefed by industry about no open data dissemination. Uh, one small company that takes our data, takes our models, and produces uh, value-added products that allow you to determine and pre predict uh, moisture and rainfall in the uh, drought-stricken West, a very critical uh, value-added product on top of what we do. And here's a quote. We would not exist in our form remotely close to what we're doing without open-source NOAA products, specifically their modeling. It is the backbone of everything we do, and we pull that data multiple times a day. We're excited about that. and. Uh, 
and thank you for the opportunity. To talk and, and, and and we are too. And there's certainly not a person that, that isn't listening to this show or a person in this country or quite, quite frankly on the planet Earth or that doesn't realize and appreciate how important this information is. And we're thankful that you're making it available to leverage into third-party capabilities. Nick, at Pure Storage, give us an example of a activity that you would like to highlight in regards to cloud optimization, et cetera. Uh, thanks, Luke. Uh, and this is a really exciting one. So I want to highlight the Treasury Department and particularly the Internal Revenue Service. So this mm -hmm. past year has seen and a timely one. I know, right? Um, but this is this is really a, a tremendous transformation story. Uh, this past year, seen the operational implementation of the managed infrastructure and data services environment, and the IRS is now benefiting from an elastic, scalable evergreen and easily managed enterprise data service platform with no over-provisioning, under-provisioning, uh, or forklift upgrades for tier one and tier two workloads. So they're now able to process vast amounts of data faster than their traditional environment enabled them to do so. And it's freed up a lot of resources to invest time in more mission-critical activities um, and adapting to really ever-changing environments. So all of this, while enjoying continuous innovation and modernization of their environment, predictable and manageable cost structure, and not having to manage the infrastructure at all. So this, this is an on-premises managed infrastructure environment that gives the IRS the flexibility and scalability that they need to adapt to, obviously, an ever-increasing amount of services that they need to offer, but never having to worry about whether or not what they're driving their data on, how they're leveraging their data, can keep up with that today or in the future. So we're very, very proud to see how quickly they affected that transformation because really 18 months from adoption or signing the contract to operationalizing the environment is a breathtaking pace of innovation for any agency, any corporation of that size. And if there's ever an agency that's going to, uh, going to surge, uh, it's certainly the IRS during tax season. It's certainly NOAA during uh, hurricane season or during an active hurricane, et cetera. And we really do appreciate the partnership that you've had there. Well, we only have a few more minutes and we always like to wrap up and talk about uh, the, the paint a picture of the future. Two to three years out, what are we expecting at that point? Lamont, we're gonna start with you at Verizon. What does that demand signal look like? What are you all preparing for to be able to offer and make available two to three years from now? Yeah, so what we're going to see and what I'm look, we're looking forward to working on is like seeing that the full mobilized network and full mobilized uh, usage of this of the data moving across um, everybody across the United States, no matter where we're working at, no matter what we're doing. I mean, there's about you know roughly two million um, government users that are are out there today. Um, we want to make sure that we're able to get that you know that information back and forth between each one of these data centers, between each one of these edge computing devices, um, edge computing uh, locations, to make sure that we're able to deliver on whether it's a public safety mission, whether it's uh, getting our taxes through, or, or just you know helping some uh, constituents that are out in the uh, environment trying to get their healthcare services. So it's really enabling enabling the the mobility of the the end users to make sure that they're able to get to this data, no matter where it's residing in the data centers or in the cloud. Um, and to make sure that, you know, these services, you know, continue to grow and, and enhance and evolve to make the needs of the American public. And we appreciate the, uh, the the fast, reliable, and capable services that you all provide. Nick, Pure Storage, uh, paint a picture of what it's going to look like two to three years now from where you all sit. Now, this is where things get really exciting. Um, you know, for those who don't pay attention to, you know, how their tires get manufactured, this might have uh, gone under the radar. 
we've reached a cost inflection point where modernized storage, flash-based storage is now actually price competitive with or equal in price to spinning disk storage. So what we're going to see over the course of the next couple of years is an incredibly rapid adoption and shift and acceleration of the shift, really, mm. to modernized data service platforms. Michelle's probably going to nod her head because she sees it over at NetApp as well. But we're reaching a point now where you know, system capacities are going to reach multiple petabytes per rack unit, which gives us an unprecedented amount of data density, an unprecedented amount of performance and efficiency that will wind up saving customers, not just government customers, but it will wind up saving customers billions of dollars in cost avoidance for energy consumption, space consumption, and an increase, a tremendous increase in overall productivity. As data can be leveraged more effectively, we get to outcomes that we want sooner. So over the course of the next couple of years, we're going to see the density of these platforms uh, double starting this year, which is going to give us incredible capability as IT professionals to deliver data to our customers. And Michelle, how about at NetApp? Tell us what it's going to look yep. like two to three years from now. Sure thing. And, uh, you know, Nick, I think we are very much like-minded, agree with everything he says. So, you know, if I look at, I'll go in a little bit different, um, different direction then and expand on um, the different elements. If I think about the future, what we were told by the CIO of the uh, organization that we Im implemented for was, I don't have to worry about my IT infrastructure anymore, right? It's, I can focus on the mission and, and more, um, more, uh, enabling of the mission rather than worrying about what's going on underneath. And I can do that, right, if I look forward because I've got a very simple and consistent environment. I've got a single, uh, I've got a single tool or element where I can look across everything that I need. My infrastructure is secure because I've got AI-driven automation that can help to detect anomalies and, and respond against them. I've got tools that help me to automatically optimize my savings, right, whether it should be cloud or on-prem. I'm, I'm automatically getting signals of where my data should, should reside. And I've got visibility into uh, to my sustainability factors. Like what's my energy utilization so I can drive towards like a net, um, a net carbon zero or carbon net zero um, environment, right? So if I've got all of that, then I can start worrying more about the mission. Zach, uh, two questions for you. One top priority for you as a CIO at NOAA this year and then two to three years now, when you uh, attend that conference again, what do you want those customers to say? What are they going to say two to three years from now as you all continue on this terrier on in regards to cloud optimization, et cetera? We have a information resource management strategic plan as, as I guess most federal agencies do. And our number one goal is to promote our people. And our people and IT folks and federal employees uh, generally, uh, post-pandemic, a lot of us are suffering burnout and stress. And as a CIO, one of the things that, that we can contribute is what Michelle was just talking about. Using the cloud and, and uh, the advanced technologies possible to make jobs easier for the IT people. They can have more rewarding jobs if they're not worried about managing hardware. Instead, they could be focusing on the mission. Instead, they could be focusing on what we hope to be showing two to three years from now, the second part of your question, Luke, uh, that we've reduced the time it takes for great ideas to go from research into products that serve the American people. Um, that can be more rewarding. We can use 
cloud-based artificial intelligence to save our scientists time and, and drudgery. Uh, to, to protect seals, we have to look at thousands of images to find the seal and then figure out how well seals are doing. It's one of the things we do in fisheries. Computers can do that a lot faster and the cloud makes that possible. It's just one little example. Uh, our value chain starts with an observation and ends with uh, information that protects lives and livelihoods. And our administrators said, the value chain isn't over until it's being, our information is being used by the American people. So uh, NOD, which I described earlier, uh, is an integral part of, of making sure that the data ends up getting used. Um, my hope is that two, three years from now, when we look back, we'll see these changes that we made for the American people, for our, for our employees to make their lives better, and actually have metrics that show that we are improving the time it takes from research to operations. And, and look back and know that we're also more secure because we've moved towards zero trust, which is a critical thing to minimize some of the risks of software as a service, where it's very easy to get into trouble if you're not careful. So the la other thing, last thing we'll be looking back at is our cloud program office, which we think will have eased the uh, transition, provide the single face to a very complex range of opportunities and, and know that we're doing the best job we can as we, uh, as we modernize via moving to cloud and optimized data centers. Dr. Lucas, Department of Homeland Security, two to three years from now, if you're hiring in a new engineer up there at headquarters, they take a look around, what are they gonna see two to three years from now? Uh, you know, Lucas, I think it's an interesting question. Uh, I mean, as, as long as we remain vigilant uh, in our investment and in the pursuit of ongoing education for our federal employees and ensuring this education is ingrained in our organizational learning DNA, uh, and as long as we remain laser focused on the pursuit of industry and academic knowledge being created in these cloud environments and effectively translate this knowledge into improved IT management, we will inevitably see an exponential growth loop in the available automation support where the government will be able to deliver services faster to the American public and with less human intervention. And of course, with reduced errors, which translates to better and more accurate information for the public. Second, uh, we've made great strides over the last several years in protecting the confidentiality, integrity, and availability of information and providing security and monitoring for protecting the application and systems, supporting the organization and delivering service to the American public. But we will see an exponential growth, uh, Luke, in the innovation and technology in the industry and cloud environments to enhance cybersecurity. Uh, all of this will translate into the government being able to leverage new technology like AI and cloud computing environments to provide improved cybersecurity, management, enhanced visibility, and threat intelligence. Uh, I think inevitably, uh, all of this means improved automation and support uh, as we deliver solutions and capabilities for the American public whether it's providing disaster assistance to those affected by natural disasters, providing safety and security for travelers, providing immigration services, or collaborating with state, local, territorial, uh, and tribal organizations. So, I mean, that's what I see in the next one to three years. I think uh, it, it, the future's bright. Automation is moving uh, at the speed of innovation. As long as we continue to focus on that uh, and implement that for the American public, uh, I, I think we'll go a long way. Number one priority for this year is... Number one priority this year is specifically focused on uh, evolving modernization of our cloud computing environments and network architecture. I think when we break that down, one is we're gonna to continue to improve upon the user experience of our services, both internally and externally to the public. Uh, we're gonna to continue to move towards using containerization as the default in the cloud where applicable uh, and use cloud native technology when it makes sense. Uh, third, we're, we're gonna to continue to mature our use and implementation of zero trust 
in every part of the network fabric, Luke, and in our cloud environments. Uh, we're going to consistently stay engaged and ensure the department is on the cutting edge of the innovation being developed uh, in the cloud service provider environments, specifically uh, in engagement research and partnering with the industry. Some of the examples include, we've mentioned before, but uh, it's worth a mention again, artificial intelligence, machine learning, and the like. And then last but not least, we're going to complete our implementation of the second cloud access point on the West Coast uh, so that we actually add that uh, additional redundancy and availability for our critical systems and applications. Bill, SEC, priority number one for you this year, and then tell us what it's going to look like two to three years from now. You've got 10% of your capability out in the cloud. We know you're in CL Team 6 mode. Top priority for you this year. Sure. Let me take those together. So first and foremost, I spent the last six years studying the entire government-wide federal cloud portfolio end-to-end. -end. So I don't want to give you my vision of three years. I want to give you an idea of what I hope we will be doing, and I'll give you two. So first and foremost, technology is just a way that we manage change. All business, government business, private sector business, it's all about change. Technology is a tool we use to manage that change. And we need the right people, we need the right skill set to be able to manage that technology at the end of the day. So my top priority, hands down, training, reskilling, upskilling, it's all about the people. Uh, right now, there has never been a better time for government agencies to be hiring the best and the brightest engineers. Even if you don't have our special pay and benefits, every single federal agency should be taking advantage of the fact that all of the major companies are laying off their smartest engineers, their best AI people, their best DevSecOps people, everyone should be hiring right now and using their budget to hire. So my, my hope is that more and more federal employees will have been former private sector employees and will get that great talent coming into government to help us out. That is, that is top priority number one. My other hope here, and I don't want to pick on anyone, but you know, Zach said that uh, we have a once in a lifetime opportunity for this sort of transformational change in moving to cloud. And I really hope that that is not the case. Um, Cloud Smart has only one federal mandate that we put in there, and it is agencies should be regularly reviewing their application and data portfolio and rationalizing it down over and over again. This should be a constant process that you're doing all of the time. So the AppRat playbook that Tom's team put together is fantastic. I hope agencies will be doing this all of the time, managing their portfolio, moving up to managed services and not just treating cloud like a data center. I see too much of that, people lifting and shifting, getting out of that sort of habit and really using the tools. The whole purpose of going to this weird thing called cloud is so that the vendors can do more of the work for us and we as government employees can just manage that change. So that's what I'm hoping we're gonna see in the next few years. Tom, take us home. Tell us the number one priority for your agency, your entity uh, right now this year, and then uh, what you're expecting the ecosystem to be embarking on two to three years from now. Okay. Um, you know, we run that community of practice, which has 4,000 feds uh, as members. And we, we've been hearing from the community that cloud operations is still important. Uh, we need to do it better, faster, cheaper, and share those experiences across the agency. Mm -hmm. And so we've uh, been had the good fortune for the CIO Council to sponsor us putting together a cloud operations guidance white paper. And it's going to include incident management, service delivery, financial monitoring, you know, and uh, that financial monitoring is a really big piece. Because uh, if you're not monitoring your cloud instances, you could be broke by the end of the year. And that will continue to happen. You have to do it on a monthly basis. It takes organizational change management to do that uh, in several other disciplines. Uh, the, but the guide's also going to go into operation logging, monitoring, reporting, security management, patch management, landing zones, 
uh, and provisioning and change management. I think it's important to write down these best experiences and share them. So when the new guy comes into the federal government, he's not just having to uh, listen to seminars and catch it on video, mm -hmm. uh, but have it in a written word uh, and share it amongst the community. And we're gonna continue to talk about sustainability and data centers. And I include cloud with that. Uh, cloud is nothing more than a data center as I hear Bill Hunt say all the time. There's a lot of exciting work coming out of the government right now when it comes to sustainability, and we have full support of the current administration to make this a priority. We are working with groups like Federal Energy Management Program and DCEP to define what metrics uh, agencies should use when measuring sustainability for federally owned data centers. We and help uh, them learn to optimize their metrics for maximum efficiency. And it's a tricky situation because if we focus too much on one thing, we may end up using uh, resources in another area. Uh, so uh, <clears throat> we, we just see uh, uh, the collaboration between uh, data center colo and agencies and cloud as being a good partnership. And we want to further explore that and make that easier for agencies to, to procure. And we want to make sure that we're procuring with the right uh, companies that have uh, sustainability goals mm. uh, and they're meeting them and they're providing metrics. Cloud providers today can provide uh, a myriad of, of metrics to um, using uh, off-the-shelf tools uh, on their, um, on their con consoles. And we want to take advantage of that. And as Bill said, that IT portfolio management you're always going to be making different decisions, and sometimes cloud's not the right uh, fit for that, or it, uh, you're you're going to be expanding and contracting in a lot of areas. And I'd like to give a shout out to Noah, who has who runs one of the best uh, network backbone uh, shared services within Commerce. Uh, they are exemplary, and they mentioned HPC and high performance computing. And we're going to be highlighting that that story as well as other agencies on an HPC summit in April. Uh, and I know Noah is partnering with with cloud providers to do uh, high performance computing using AI and ML to do better weather forecasting. So we've got a lot of great stories to tell. Uh, you know, I'd like to leave you with this: is our federal workforce works really hard every day, regardless of whether in the office or at home, and we are providing the best value to the taxpayer. I'd like to thank all the guests here for taking the time out of their busy schedules to join us on the program. I'd like to thank the sponsors as well for supporting us on this show. I'd like to thank the good people here at Federal News Network that make the program so successful and enjoyable. And most of all, I'd like to thank you, the listening audience that tune in every single month. You're listening to the Federal Executive Forum, which is part of the Federal News Network. Thank you for listening to the Federal Executive Forum Series on Federal News Network. This show was produced by Treza Media Group. If you missed any portion of this show, you can listen to the show in its entirety and on demand at federalnewsnetwork.com.